Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Well, how's everybody doing out there? We're still alive and well. Everything's good. Uh, Welcome. We're part three of our series called You Do You. And this has been like a really cool series. This is something that I believe in. Um, it, it's something that, that in my conversations and my counseling, this is something that's been a part of what I've been trying to help people like get their mind around for years. And finally, it just worked to say, let's do a whole series where we just talk about this idea. And here's the big idea. As we look into the book of Ephesians, what we discover is that Paul was trying to like hammer home this big, huge idea of when, when you look at yourself, this is the way, I don't want you to even think of yourself as a Christian. That, that term's only used three times in the New Testament. Over 200 times throughout the New Testament, the writers use this idea of being in Christ. And so what I want you to do is look at yourself now and say, hey, I'm, I'm in Christ. And here's what that means to us. To be in Christ is this new position that shapes my identity. God has picked me up, put me in this new position in life, and that new position now defines who I am. And when that happens, I'm telling you, everything changes. When when that happens, you change the way that you look at yourself. You change the way you look at other people. It changes the way that you look at your job. It changes the way you look at God. It changes the way you look at your purpose in life. It changes everything. So this new identity is then kind of like repeated all throughout the book of Ephesians. It's almost like he introduces the idea of being in Christ, but then he just keeps unpacking it. And it's almost like like one of those things where like they stuff a hundred people in the car and a guy just keeps getting out and a girl just keeps getting out of the car. He's like, it's like when the magician just keeps pulling the, the hanky out of the, and it just keeps, this is what Paul does. It's a six week series. I could go for 12 or 15 or 20. I mean, this thing is huge. This idea that I want you to see yourself as in Christ, and I want you to know what that means for yourself. And so last week we talked about the idea of like, in Christ, I am blessed. Like already blessed, not not trying to find a blessing, not trying to coerce God into a blessing. I'm already blessed. It's just who I am. And not only is it it who I am, but because that's who I am, that's what I do, right? Like as a blessed person, what does a blessed person do? I bless others. This is who I am. And so if that's who I am, that's what I do. Today, I'm going to bite off what might be a more challenging subject. So pray, pray for me this morning. I am going to talk to you this morning about the idea of I am reconciled. I am reconciled. In the book of Ephesians, Paul, we jump into chapter two now, and Paul jumps into something incredibly dicey, incredibly sensitive, and he does it with, it seems like, no fear. No hesitation. It wasn't like he tiptoed around the subject. It was like he dove into it and wanted to just go right at it. And so this morning, I'll try to do the same. Ephesians chapter 2, this is where Paul picks up. Verse 11 says this. It says, Therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth are called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision. Now, what this is referring to is that you are a Gentile. Unless you are born Jewish and of Jewish descent, there's basically like the Jews thought of two races in the world. There was Jewish people and there was everybody else, right? And everybody else was called a, everybody say a Gentile. So you got Jews and you got Gentiles. And the Jews saw themselves as circumcised, which had to do with their covenant with God going all the way back to the days of Abraham. 
But Gentiles, they were on the outside looking in. They were a totally different class of people, breed of people, type of people, ethnic of people, culture of people. They were just different, and everything about them was different. We're Jew. They're Gentile. We're circumcised. They're uncircumcised. We're the people of God. They're heathens and pagans. This is what they thought. He goes, remember that at the time, at that time, you were separate from Christ excluded from the citizenship of Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. Again, what the way they were trying to say was this. Paul was trying to say, I get that in the past that the way that you looked at everything was, well, I'm a Gentile and them are Jews. And the perception was is that the Jews had a relationship with God and they were good. That God liked the Jews a lot and everybody else he was like, eh, I mean, they're okay. You know, that, that was the perception that, that they had covenant, we had nothing. We were just out doing our own thing, and we weren't connected to the one true God. We didn't have this, this thing that the Jews have. Verse 13, but now, meaning something's changed, but now, in Christ Jesus, there's that term, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And what he was saying was this, in this whole idea that we get into today called reconciliation. By the way, when I talk about reconciliation, this is what I mean. It literally means to bring back into right relationship or to bring back into harmony. See, this is what happens when sin is a part of your life. Sin is a disruptor to all things harmony. Going back to the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve were in perfect relationship with God. Sin enters and now there is disharmony. Right? How many people can't dance out there? You're like, got two left feet, you can't. You know what I'm talking about. Ain't got no rhythm. Ain't got no harmony. Ain't got no flow. You ain't got it. It, What what, what it means is there's a discoordination. It means the way that you're dancing and the rhythm of the music, y'all not on the same page. And what he's saying is that that's what you and God were like. You were in disharmony. Like you was over here and God was over here and y'all were not on the same page. And because of that, Not only did sin create disharmony between you and God, sin creates, and somebody can give me an amen after this, sin creates disharmony from one person to the next person. So it's not that sin just messes up you and God. Sin messes up you and everybody. Like, that's why everybody's mad at everybody and offended and bitterness. We're all in counseling and therapy, and I'm mad at him, and I'm mad at her. We got mama issues and daddy issues and kid issues, and like, I'm mad at my neighbor because he didn't pay for the fence, and we got all these issues. That's not me. I don't even have a fence. Um, so, I'm just kidding. I just had to fix the fence now that I think about it. That's neither here nor there. So, so, but what he says is, he says, now in Christ, you and God are reconciled. Like, that's what he's saying. He said, you used to be on the outside, but in Christ, you've been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And there's this kind of radical term. If you did not grow up in church, I'm not going to lie. The whole blood of Jesus thing gets kind of trippy when you first hear it. You're like, wait a minute. Vampire? What? I don't understand. The blood of Jesus is a reference to the Old Testament. Because in the Old Testament, what they would do is, and this was just a part of all of the religious cultures of the ancient world, is that they believed that they made a sacrifice that they would make God happy, right? And so what would they sacrifice? Well, believe it or not, sometimes they'd sacrifice people, uh, but mostly they would sacrifice animals. And that was where this whole idea of blood came in. So like, this is where, when you really think about it, this is why the writer of Hebrews says... For years and years and years, they sacrificed the blood of bulls and goats. 
But Jesus became your high priest and your sacrifice. He offered his own blood one time for all people, for all sins, for all time. And now it's done. That's why we don't have weird animals up in here right now getting killed. Can I get an amen like that? Aren't you glad that's gone? That'd be weird. I would not be down with that. Thank God you're born in the 21st century and Jesus has come. So, so this was this idea of the blood. So, so even in Ephesians 1, 7, he has already referenced this idea. Remember this one, in him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. This is this whole idea. Do you remember when, when Jesus took what we call the Lord's Supper? Remember, he took, like, on Passover, he took all of his disciples to the upper upper room, and then he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This was him initiating a whole new era, and he was saying, it's not about Jew and Gentile anymore. I'm, I'm creating a pathway so anybody can come and be right with God. And this, this, is, this is why Jesus said in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, everybody say, I'm a whosoever. <laughs> Unless you're Jewish, you're a whosoever, right? Like you, just whosoever. I'm going to open the gates wide open because Jesus's plan was to make sure that you had an open invitation and an open door to come and be reconciled with God. And because he died for your sins, you don't have to pay for your sins anymore. Jesus has paid away and now you can be back into harmony with your heavenly father. That's a good thing. Somebody say amen to that. That's, that's why we're all here today, right? It's because you and God, in Christ Jesus, you and God are now reconciled. There's a flow now. There's a connection now. There's a harmony now between you and God. As a matter of fact, I wrote this down. This is amazing. Um, this is actually a quote from Mark Driscoll. It says, apart from Christ, you are farther from God than you think. But in Christ, you are closer than you know. Like in Christ, in, uh, well now apart from Christ, because apart from Christ, we like to justify and think, well, I'm a good person. No, you're further than you think you are. Um, but in Christ, you are closer than you can ever imagine. You are closer than you even hope in your heart. You are completely reconciled, not because of what you've done, but because of what Jesus has done for you. That's you and God being reconciled. Now, this is what he says next. This is verse 14. For he himself, this is Jesus, he himself is our peace, who has made Two groups, one. Everybody say two groups. One. Say it again. Two groups. One. What were the two groups? You had Jewish people and you had Gentile. Y'all are so smart. Y'all are dialed in today. So you had two groups and he said, because Jesus is our peace, two groups are now one and he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Now this is what the dividing wall of hostility was. Like literally uh, the way that the temple was designed is that there was an inner court where only the high priest really went once a year. There was an outer court where they went all the time. They had all these furniture pieces. They were all symbolic. It's really cool. It's where the menorah was and the table of showbread and all these things. And then there was an, uh, 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 basically, so the inner, or there's holy of holies where the priest went, the inner court where the furniture was, and the outer court was this big open area where they had this big brazen altar where they'd sacrifice animals. And, and, but here's the deal. There was another wall that they had created. See, what they decided was, is because there's a, a big gap between Jew and Gentile, we're going to create this other wall, and y'all got to go over there. And this wall is what separates us, and Gentiles can't come in here. Or, listen, this is what archaeologists found and discovered. 
they unearthed some of the wall and then they found this inscription on the wall. This is the inscription. Whoever is captured past this point will have himself to blame for his subsequent death. Hey, I want to go to church. I'm going to climb the wall and get to God. You know, really, that's how we're going to treat people. Okay. So, so, but that was the idea that like just people trying to get closer to God will we'll kill you if you come up in here. What in the world? And, and this was like, this was not even God's original intent. Let, 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 me, let me get back to it. So in Christ, what he's saying is these two groups that become one is that in Christ, Jew and Gentile are now reconciled. He's saying literally like you used to have two groups. Now you got, you got one group, right? You used to have Jew and Gentile. Now you just got people. That's all that there is now. So there is no racial divide now between Jew and Gentile. It can all be done away with. And for Paul to say this, this was incredible because at the time, man, the Jews were like literally fighting and killing each other in the streets in Syria during the time that Paul wrote this. Remember during the time of Jesus when he went to the well and he talked to a Samaritan woman and the disciples were all like, oh my gosh, dude, did you see what he just did? The reason why they were tripping was because the, the, the Samaritans hated the Jews. And the Jews hated the Samaritans. There was incredible racial turmoil amongst these people groups. And Paul has the audacity to come out and say, hey, y'all are tripping. There's no more dividing wall. It ain't there. Two people, now one people. And you got to remember, like, I think this is what you see the reason why God initiates this and the reason why the prophets of the Old Testament were frustrated. It was never God's intent for there to be this dividing wall between Jew and Gentile. It was never the intent. It was for God to start with the Jews and to create his own people. But from out of those people, he would literally connect to the whole world. If you don't believe me, watch this. So Genesis 12 too. This is God talking to Abraham. He says to Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and I'll curse those who curse you. And everybody say all peoples. Like all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. So like it was never God's intent that he would take Abraham and just bless just the Jews. Because clearly, before the Jews even existed as a nation, God was like, no, 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 through you, I'm going to hit the whole world. I'm going to get everybody. So all peoples of the earth will be blessed. And they, for, for whatever reason, the Jews never picked up on this idea. So I, the, the prophet Isaiah addresses this issue. Listen to this. Isaiah 49 verse 6 says this. It's too small a thing. Like he, he, This is God speaking through Isaiah. He's almost saying like, y'all missed it. I had a big vision. And y'all made it a little vision. It's too small of a vision. It's too small of a thing for just you to be my servant and to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back Israel and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you what? A light for the Gentiles that my salvation may reach where? So like all peoples, everywhere. That was the original goal. But the Jews didn't ever pick up on this. And so they kept fighting with this idea of this is us and that's them. We're Jews, they're Gentiles, and we're going to make a wall. We might even kill you if you jump over that wall. And God's like, what in the world is going on? And so this is, this is what I want you to see, though, is that 
Jesus, he himself, is our peace. And that in Christ, because you have been reconciled with God, Jew and Gentile are now reconciled. Or we can put it like this, is that when you have peace with God and peace from God, there is no place for conflict with others. Like, there's just, we ain't got room for it. That's not who you are in Christ. See, you, before you were, in, you were in Christ, you were just in you. And in you, you were angry. In you, you were bitter. In you, you were broken. In you, you were a mess. In you, you were lost. In Christ, everything's changed. And now you're reconciled back to God. And because you've been reconciled back to God, I can also make sure that you get reconciled back to others. Because Jesus is now our peace. Watch this. He keeps going. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. I want you to think about that. So what was Jesus' goal in, in this whole reconciliation process? One humanity. There's not Jew. There's not Gentile. There's just one humanity. Are you tracking? Thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile, there's that word, in one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Now this, is, this has huge ramifications because this is what... All right, here's where we're going to go. All right, now I need y'all to be patient with me. Give me the benefit of the doubt here. Love me. Okay. It, all right, it gets, it gets easy to talk about this when I'm like, hey, Jew and Gentile. It changes when I start saying black people and white people. Brown people and white people and black people. Like, oh, oh. Jew and Gentile were like, yeah, they should be reconciled. That's really good. No, no, no. What about black people and white people? Because the racial lines that we draw, nobody has ever been up here and be like, you know what? I'm mad at Gentiles today. Those daggum Gentiles, I hate those people. We, we don't think in those terms anymore. Our dividing lines are, are different. And so all of a sudden I start, I, yeah, I just made you uncomfortable. I, you start slipping in black people and brown people and white people and this culture and this ethnic group and this whatever. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa this just got real up in here. So the application to you and I really is not a lot to do with Jew and Gentile. I guess my point would be this, is that, yeah, in Christ, you and God are reconciled for sure. In Christ, Jew and Gentile, that, yeah, they're totally reconciled. You know what, though? In Christ, you and others are reconciled. In Christ. Some of us are in ourselves. If you're in yourself, you're in the disharmony realm. Because sin is messing with you. It's causing you to feel a certain way, think a certain way, behave a certain way, treat other people a certain way. But in Christ, that has to change because I'm totally new now. I have been reconciled. And because I've been reconciled with God, he has made not just two groups, but he's made two groups, one group. He's literally made one humanity. And he is calling me to be reconciled with others. And the, the reason why I said that, that, that when you have peace with God, there's no room for conflict. I just left a conflict because it's not even just racial. It's, it's even bigger than that. Listen to what he says in Galatians. He says this, there is neither Jew nor Gentile. That's racial. He said, there's neither slave nor three. That's classism. He said, there's neither male nor female. That's gender. He said, for you are all what? One. In Christ 
Jesus. And what he was trying to get us to see was, there is no wall anymore. And as Christ's followers, we need to begin to pursue reconciliation. It needs to be on our heart, in our mind. It needs to be what we are about. Because what we fall into the temptation of is it is so easy for us to gather in what we call homogenous groups, right? Like, it's, it's easy for me to go hang out with my white neighbor who's 37 years old and likes to shoot things. Like, that's easy. And he's saying, no, 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 you, you got to break out of that because you, you keep drawing your identity primarily from all these other things. What I want you to do is see yourself as in Christ. And, and it's, it's the reason why this is important I was in Pebble Beach with my wife. We, we, we took off for like a day trip or something, overnight trip for our anniversary. And um, I, love, I love golf. Y'all probably heard that before. And, and so Pebble Beach is like Mecca for golfers. And so I'm down at Pebble Beach. I wasn't golfing, but we went down to have lunch. And as we're having lunch, you know, Pebble Beach is uh, uppity. It's, you know, that's high end. And we're at this table, but at the table next to us, we're overhearing a conversation. And the conversation call our attention because at first we were like, oh, there's some believers over there and they're talking about church. And I'm like, that's cool. And then they, what they said was though, is, is they said, we need to start making churches for rich people. And I remember thinking, I'm like, well, how do I, how do I feel about that? That doesn't sit right with me, but why? Like, no, but like, because it doesn't sit right with you at first, but then you have to ask why? Like, well, well Why? And I started thinking, well, I mean, like, you know, if you're in an area where there's a bunch of rich people, but, but, you know, but I'm like, no, I, like there's this tension and I'm like, that's just, there's something funky. And I, and, and when you go back and you look at this scripture and what you find is this, is that there is a natural draw towards you collecting and, and gathering with people just like you. And what I'm telling you is that you need to fight that urge because this is the ugly side of sanctification, the ugly side of sanctification is, is that I draw, as I draw closer to Jesus, all of a sudden these things are exposed in me. Like, wait a minute. Why is it that I didn't like that kind of person? What was it that made me like, all of a sudden, like all of a sudden something came up with a black person. Like, oh, where, where, where did that come from? All of a sudden something with a, with a Hispanic person. You're like, where did that come from? Why did I feel that? All of a sudden you had a disdain towards a certain gender or a certain class of people or certain, and you're like, oh, where did that come from? Because here's the thing that you need to know. If you struggle with that stuff, it's because your identity is something in something other than in Christ Jesus. It's just, it's just somewhere else. You cannot be in Christ and be an ist. You can't. You can't, you, you can't be in Christ and be like a, a race ist or a sex ist or a whether it's a class ist or an age ist, or you, you, you can't. It's an, it, not, not if you're in Christ. And so I'm sitting there thinking, like, you, you know what? You know what unnerved me about the thought of having a church for rich people? I thought they're, they're, they're going to be so angry at heaven. Because, like, if you, look, if you don't like black people, don't go to heaven. Because there'll be a bunch of black people up in there. And if you don't like white people, or you don't like brown people, or you don't like rich people, or you don't like poor people, because you you, this is what it says about heaven. John said, as I looked around, <laughs> there before me was this huge, great multitude. I couldn't even count. There were so many people, and they were, they were from everywhere, every nation, 
every tribe, every people, every language, and they're all standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches. And they were all worshiping God. So like, if you have a problem with a certain group of people or class of people, heaven might be hell to you if you hate those people. You might want to get that junk up out of you. If you really want to know what it is to live in Christ and to experience the fullness of Christ in heaven, I'm just, I'm just telling you, you, there's so much more. And he's saying, I'm, I'm daring you, I'm challenging you, I'm pressuring you. You've got to break down the walls. There's a dividing wall that says that's us and that's them. He says, that's done. There is one new humanity. Now, this is how I think this begins to take place. Um, num- number one is this, is that racial reconciliation is possible when our primary identity is in Christ. That's number one. Because as long as you, and this is across the board, none of us should take our primary identity from, from anywhere other than in Christ. Now, here's the deal. I'm not saying you throw away your heritage or you throw away your background. I'm not saying you throw it away. I'm just saying the primary source of your identity is in Christ, meaning my whiteness does not trump my Christness. My, my, I've got no blackness. Your, your, your blackness should not trump your Christness. Your brownness should not trump your, your... The size of your bank account should not trump your Christness. And what this does, this has radical ramifications. Because now, here's the reality of it. You have more income... Let me put a word in there. You ought... Everybody say ought. You ought to have more in common. Like if you're, if you're a white dude, you ought to have more in common with the elderly black woman in Christ Jesus who lives completely different than you and came up differently. You you ought to have more in common with her than you do your white buddy down the street. Because in... in, in, I'm saying you're unsaved white, but I should have said that. Because there's something about being in Christ. We share something. See, here's, there was a study I read about this. There was a study they did in Minnesota. And what they've, what they've done is they tried to do kind of these, um, these classes, these courses where there's racial sensitivity training. And they really try to say, hey, we want you to know all about them. Because if maybe if you know all about them and all of your differences, then you can respect your differences. And the, the interesting part of the study was is that the, the course flopped. It failed. No, it was like it had no real bearing on, on anything. And I started thinking, well, yeah. We're, we're, we're so different, like, it's hard to, like, just love and celebrate all of our differences. Can I, can I throw out something to you, though? We ha- even if you're not a Christian, you have more in common than you have indifference. There's a, you have a ton in common. Like, like here's just some thoughts. Like, you, you, listen, you all bleed red. I don't care about the pigmentation of your skin. You all bleed red. I don't care what your gender is. You bleed red. Here's another one. You all have the same genetic coding. So in one strand of DNA, there's about 40,000 pages worth of data points, just all kinds of crazy data. And geneticists have discovered that literally every human being, black, white, brown, purple, anything, I don't know if that's real. Do you know that we all carry the same exact marker? That's why they call, so so in in, in the genetics world, they call it primordial Eve and Y chromosome Adam. Because they're like, every human being has it. So the very person that you hate, (laughs) yeah, y'all related. The very person that you think you look down upon, look at wrongly, look at as less than, look as as beneath you, y'all family. Not only that, you are all people who are made in the image and likeness 
of God. Saved or unsaved, you're still made in the image of likeness of God. Not only that, you're all people for whom Christ died. Every one of you, God, your father, deems so worthy that he sent his son to a brutal death that you might have life. We all share that in common. You know what we share in common? We're all broken. Every one of us. By sin, we are all broken and in need of Jesus to heal us. You know what else we all have? We all struggle. We all love. We all hope. We all dream. We all desire to be treated with value and dignity. Every human being carries that. Every human. And look, this is the stuff that we just have in common. <laughs> in Christ, we have Jesus in common. In Christ, we're all forgiven. In Christ, we're all adopted into the God's family. In Christ, we're all forgiven. In Christ, we're all victorious. Like there is more that we have in common. There is more that basically binds us than divides us. In Christ Jesus, it's there. And when we determine that our identity is primarily in Christ, then I can look at my African brother back there, and even though he wears a daishiki and I can't pull that off, that is my brother, and I love him. Why? Because in Christ, me and him, we're brothers. We are adopted into the same family. It's me and him. We're bad boys for life. We ride together. You know. Here's another thought. Hey, racial reconciliation is actually commanded by God. You cannot obey Jesus. You cannot be an obedient Christ follower and not pursue racial, racial reconciliation. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Matthew 28 says this. Jesus is speaking to the disciples and he says, Go and make disciples of where? All nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That whole part about all nations... That's everybody. Meaning like you can't fulfill the great commission. You can't fulfill and be obedient to Jesus and somehow look at other people and look down upon them and think of them as less than. You got to say, you know what? We are all people for whom Christ died. I need to love them, help them, connect them to Jesus. That is our mission. It is absolutely required. Number three is this racial reconciliation is the application of the supreme ethic. The supreme ethic is love. This is why, like when you read the, like Paul and his writing in Galatians, when he talks about like love, and he says against these things there is no law. You can't outlaw love. It's the supreme ethic. It's the supreme ethic that guides every one of our decisions, how we treat other people, how we view the world. It's the supreme ethic. And this supreme ethic, I'll read you what John Piper wrote. He said this, he said, we must pursue the supreme ethic of love, the very nature of of God. Let us banish every belittling and unloving thought from our minds. Let us put every word or tone or ridicule or disdain out of our mouths. Let us go out of our way to show personal, affectionate oneness with Christians of all ethnic backgrounds. Let us be the salt and the light of our hostile and fearful society with courageous acts of interracial kindness and respect. In short, let us look to Christ and be forgiven and cleansed and healed and empowered to love. You, you, can't, you can't, I'm telling you, you just can't follow, you can't be in Christ and start looking at other people groups, whether it's gender or class or race, and somehow think of them as less than or beneath. I'm telling you that if that's in your heart, this is the ugly side of sanctification. It needs to be purged from you. You cannot be in Christ and harbor that towards other people. You're never going to discover who you are. You're never going to figure it all out. You're never going to be in harmony perfectly with God or with other people. It's got to go. 
Lastly, in closing, Paul begins to wrap it up. He actually, consequently, that's how you start to wrap up a sermon. And I'm closing. Um, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but now you're fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. Together we rise. Together we rise. I need you. Together we rise. And then this is what he closes with, because he talks about this idea of unity and what it brings. Watch this. And in him, this is back to this whole in Christ thing, in him you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. I I want you to think of it like this, is that our unity is a welcome mat to the Holy Spirit. Our unity opens up the door for the Holy Spirit to come and dwell in us. And not only that, but to lost humanity. Because if anybody ought to be leading the way in reconciliation, it ought to be us. Because there are no dividing walls. We are one in Christ Jesus. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. There's not slave. There's not free. There's not even male and female. We are all one in Christ Jesus. The book of Ephesians was written from a prison cell. There's another letter I recently read, and I thought it was so profound, and some of the stuff in there, I wish I could read the whole thing, or just large part, I can't, I'm just gonna read a small part of it. But there's another person who wrote from a prison cell. He says this, he says, I am in Birmingham because injustice is here. Just as the prophets of the 18th century BC left their villages and carried their Thus saith the Lord, far beyond the boundaries of their hometowns. Just like the Apostle Paul left his village of Tarsus and carried the gospel of Jesus to the far corners of the Roman world. So am I compelled to carry the gospel of freedom beyond my hometown. Like Paul, I must constantly respond to the Macedonian call for aid. He goes on later to say this powerful quote. Injustice anywhere is a threat to justice everywhere. There's some profound statements in here, but at the end, I love the way that he closes. I want you to see the spirit behind what he says here. He says, this is how he closes. I hope this letter finds you strong in faith. I also hope that circumstance will soon make it possible for me to meet each of you, not as an integrationist or a civil rights leader, but as a fellow clergyman and a Christian brother. I want you to see that. I want to meet with you, not as brothers. Let us all hope that the dark clouds of racial prejudice will soon pass away and the deep fog of misunderstanding be lifted from our fear-drenched communities. And in some not-too-distant tomorrow, the radiant stars of love and brotherhood will shine over our great nation with all their scintillating beauty. Yours for the cause of peace and brotherhood, Martin Luther King Jr. There is a desire for the person that is in Christ to be reconciled with God. But there's an ought to that I think we haven't fully embraced yet, and it's the ought to, the desire that we ought to have to reconcile with our brothers and sisters across the entire world, that no more are there racial lines or gender lines or even class lines or age lines, but we are all one in Christ Jesus. 
Dear God, help us lead the way. Let's pray this morning. Father, I pray that we would be the people of reconciliation. That we would so embrace and own own our reconciliation back to you. That when we look at other people, we think there is nothing about them that should divide me from them. God, there should be a harmony between us as brothers and sisters in Christ. That in Christ, we should never look at another person and think less of them because of their background or their age or the color of their skin or what side of the tracks that they came from. God, help us to, God, get ready for heaven, knowing that we will be with all nations, tribes, tongues, and peoples, God. But you said that while we are here, that, God, we should pray to make earth more like heaven. So, God, help us to be the people of reconciliation. God, let us extend forgiveness and kindness. Let us extend grace and mercy. Let us repent to one another. Father, help us to lead the way in this area, God. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, and we all said, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.